Today in the Attorney Career Advice Podcast with Harrison Barnes. They're making all these judgments about, can I risk this? All these things, like you need to proceed as an advocate in general, they can be very scary. And, and accounting firms, because many times they didn't get a job. These are great questions, by the way. Thank you, everyone who's asking them. I recently had a run-in with a partner in my firm. He offered some input on potential compliance issue I thought had been missed. Oh, I offered some input on a potential compliance issue that I thought had been missed and presented in a nice way. The partner got furious and was screaming at me in front of the office. Should I leave? What was my mistake here? How should I handle a possible weakness that I find as a new attorney and work by partners or others just for the purpose of being helpful, showing my diligence, or this is a political mistake and should I just leave? So there's a couple of different things I'm going on here. The first one is cover your ass, which you're welcome to do, but but welcome to do. But the other one that's even more important, I think, is in addition to covering your ass, you have to understand that the partners that are giving that are asking you to do certain things are really asking you to find ways to make things work, to make things work. So if and make things work and make the client happy. Uh, so what does that mean? The, that means that you may present some issues like that could be looked at, but if the partner needs a certain result from that, they're going to, meaning it will result in more work. It will, that, they, that maybe they don't want to point out a certain issue because if they do, that, that may piss off the client or may result in less work or, and, and it's not pleasant for the partner to learn that they may have missed an issue. So you basically, the way to frame issues is basically to come out and just say, hey, these are some issues that, that this is how we're going to make this work. And, and, and these are just some, some issues and that you could maybe put in a footnote or something, and, but don't make it seem like you're trying to tell someone they, they can't do so. But your, your job is really as an attorney. So this is another thing, um, which a lot of people don't understand. Your job as an attorney is to find a way to make things work. That's it. So you need to do this. And, and that's what you're hired to do. If you want to be a buzzkill and you want to not make things work, you don't want to find solutions for the clients, and you just want to be a negative person about things, then then other people aren't going to use you to do more work. The clients aren't going to benefit from it. Because what lawyers are doing is they're making all these judgments about, can I risk this? Can, can I risk it for the clients? My client's going to want a good result. If I don't give them a good result, they're not going to use me in the future. So these are all things that are going across and, and, and happening. So yes, you, 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 you can show diligence, but you need to present a work product that, and this, by the way, this is one of these career changing questions. So I'm really glad you asked that because if you do this well, your whole career and um, life could change. So you definitely need to do it well. And, and a lawyer has to find ways to think, make things work. So just think about what happens with in court. Someone's accused of murder. The lawyer can't just throw up their hands and say, oh, it's pretty obvious this person did that. No, the, a good criminal defense lawyer and why the best ones charge millions of dollars for cases is they go and figure out how to make things work their defense. So this is like that in all practice areas. It's like that in corporate. It's like that in real estate. You have to find ways to make things work. And so you can't, your, your job um, is not to um, not make things work or to say why it's not going to work. Your job is to make things work. So this lesson, by the way, 
Lots of attorneys never learn. They don't advance because of it. Clients don't hire them because of it. All these things, like you need to be seen as an advocate for uh, clients and also uh, the people you're working for. And if you're not, then you're in trouble. And so I think that's just something that's important for you to understand. If you're not, you're in trouble. Again, this is just a freaking awesome question. Stay around for the webinars. There's all these questions you're that alone is worth the time. Incredibly important. No. So you never want to say, um, oh, should I mention my hours? Yes. You should. If your hours are good, you should mention them. Yes. You can also um, give the impression without lying. So yes, if your hours are good, you definitely need to mention them. Why? Because regardless of the economy, the best lawyers in law firm and their clients Give partners the best results on capitalizing this by doing, by making things work, stay around. So what, and this again, just hugely important question and and answer. I really am glad people are answering this because this is really a good question. This is what happens. So in every top law firm, there is a, there are attorneys that are working 3000 hours a year and people can't stop giving them work and they want to stick around. And then there's attorneys in the same firm that might be billing a few hours per week because no one's giving them work. The attorneys that are billing a few hours a week are just not very pleasant to get the work back from. They, it's okay to say, hey, this is the problem, but this is the solution I have. And this just completely will work. And if we do this and this, that's awesome. That's what they want. That's thorough, but you're taking a stand to help the client. You can't just turn in all this negative freaking work. No one likes that. I was, this is funny. I hired this law firm to represent me in some stupid matter. It was pretty stupid. It was a litigation thing in Texas. And these attorneys were like, you know, the entire firm, which was like 10 people, all ordered the coif and, and just University of Texas. And I mean, really good attorneys. And, but they, um, I was like, why are these attorneys like all oh, working together in this little tiny firm and they don't have big clients? I was applying about a stupid little litigation case. And the reason that I discovered was all these guys would do is just point out the negatives. They couldn't take up, they were just critics and they just couldn't take a stand about any issues. And then I, I saw them argue something in court and it was the same thing, like they were non-persuasive. And then the opposing side in the case I was in was all over. He's up, jumping up and down, doing everything he could, and he won. You need to be able to take a stand. And the so the question is: uh, Should you mention your hours? Yes, you should always mention your hours because hours mean people are giving you work, work, and you are doing good work and getting repeat business. So an associate in a firm is essentially a independent business person that's paid a salary, but an independent business person that is providing work to other independent business people that are also associated with the same group, which are the partners. Partners are paid based on the amount of business they have. And essentially the, the billings that they get are the money that comes in there. A certain percentage is taken out for the, the overhead of the firm and then to pay more important lawyers or other lawyers, depending on what's going on in the economy and also their importance. One practice area is busy. They're paid uh, a percentage of the, what they make for their business. Yes, if you are doing good work and getting repeat business, then you definitely want to say that because, or even imply it if you're not, meaning 
say I worked this many hours in this big case or something, then, which is, a, you don't have to talk about the specific hours, which means you're getting repeat business. You definitely want to off, often do, do that as well. Okay, so yeah, you want to mention that. Just looking at this question under the monitor. Okay, so this is this question. So I've heard you mention that generally you work with a low percentage of people who reach out to placements. What is the factor that BCG and or yourself consider to determine whether or not person is in Okay, this is a great question. And this, just so you understand the, the reasons for my answer, over half of, oh wait, close to half of the attorneys asphalt equipment, I'd be like, it'd be really nice if someone cleaned off my asphalt equipment. And they brought the freaking whole church and spent like a whole day, like cleaning out my asphalt equipment. They're cleaning it. I'm like, what the heck? Who are these people? So we had this, all these great applicants from Michigan and all these great schools around all over the country applying. And, and this Mormon guy applied and I'm like, these are really good people. And I'm young. I don't, but I want to promote them. So I found every reason that the judge should hire him over the better people. And he did. So that's how it works. And with recruiting coordinators, they have the same power. They're obviously, they can be more powerful than partners. They decide who gets your resume. They decide at the end of a screening review or screening how, who they interview some more. So that's the best way. You have to go out of your way because the recruiting coordinator is the absolute most important person in the firm. You have to, in terms of you being hired, and they may not always be, but a lot of times they are. Sometimes like, like people, they're human. They may be leading the firm. They may be all these different things. But in general, you want to be as nice as you can to everybody. The people, there's a saying in the Bible, I think it's be nice to the poor, nice to everyone, because in doing so, you may be being nice to an angel in disguise. And so that is called true for um, recruiting coordinators as well. So I often joined a new firm. My prior smaller firm, right off so was associate. I was fortunate to join this firm about four months ago, as it is a national brand, and I'm able to specialize. That's good. Specializing is good, by the way. This is very good. And again, like just to interrupt this question, the more specialized you can make your resume in one practice area, the more interviews you're going to get. So you have to look specialized because if you look like you do a bunch of things and the law firm has a, a specialist law firm or they have an opening for a specialist or you're in a rare specialty or something, you're going to, and they don't get a lot of applicants like you, you're going to get hired. Like if you're in New York, you'd say you do M&A in securities or you do that and, and the law firm has attorneys that only do M&A. They have attorneys that only do securities. And obviously, if they have an opening or they're hiring someone in securities and not M&A, if you put both of those in your resume, what are they supposed to do? Do you want to grow your legal career? A lateral move might be the right choice to get you on track for your career goals. Working with a legal placement firm like BCG Attorney Search can open doors for you and help you live the life you dream of. If you're looking for a new legal job, send us your resume so we can help. Visit www.bcgsearch.com and click on Submit Resume to be paired with one of our legal placement professionals who will work tirelessly on your behalf to get you your dream legal job. Submit your resume to www.bcgsearch.com to get started today. So it's okay to mention that you've done some of that, but you don't want to look like you're not specialized. And same thing with applying to law firms. If you're applying to, I'm just going to do this at every level. If you're applying to a personal injury law firm that represents auto accident victims, 
and your experience is doing personal injury for representing, I don't know, some other type of injury, come up with medical injuries, or then you're not, you're going to have a much better chance of getting a job if you're a personal injury in the same thing. So you have to do that. And that's specialization. And it's the biggest mistake that candidates working with BCG make or on the resumes. It's I can't help people and tell them why this is. I had a guy, by the way, this is very interesting. I had a guy recently that paid, was it like, I don't know, five or $6,000 for to me to spend. And I get these people a lot, but, and, but he had this resume where he's doing all these different practice areas. And, and then his decision was that he wanted to move into another practice area. And I took a look at his resume and I could only find one consistency of the type of work he did. I think it was, I think it was like, I don't know, like insurance defense or something. He's, I want to be going, I want to be a data science attorney. And that's all I'm going to apply to. And I need to make my resume look like that. And I was like, listen, man, you went to, you don't have any experience in it. The law firms with this, not data science, I'm sorry, um, data privacy. The law firms that have these jobs are larger firms. You don't have any employment stability about all these things, blah, blah, blah. But I can definitely do a resume for you. And 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 after looking at you and talking to you, I can definitely get you a job in any of these other things and give you a resume that will do that for you. And And I did it for him right on the phone. And, and he was upset. I did on the Zoom call and said, I need to do data privacy. So I was like, all right, but you're, nothing's going to happen. So sometimes people go down on these paths with specialization where they try to switch practice areas, which why would the firm hire someone that's trying to switch practice areas when the person's already shown that they don't want to be in a practice area? And they're probably going to do the same thing with a new practice area. And moreover, they don't even have the experience to be hired. So why would a firm do that? Come on. So you have to specialize and you have to try to specialize in whatever you're doing, or at least make it look like you've been specialized by modifying your resume. But this person says they're able to specialize, which is good. But the branch office of this firm is volatile. Partners are rarely present. Associates have left. And I had a run-in with a partner. Another firm wants to have a phone interview this week that is a competitor and most prestigious. How should I probe my moves and desire to switch? Okay. So there's a couple points here. The big one is you never say anything negative about your current firm, current firm in interviews. You just don't. Because if you say negative things about your current firm or your past firms, then it, it just, it, it's not good because they know, the firm knows that you will say bad things about them when things don't work out, which they usually don't. So this is a basic one-on-one interviewing. It's the most important thing, but people always do this and they don't get jobs because of it after interviews and they don't know why. This is one of the reasons why. So you never say anything negative. You can, however, position yourself as um, wanting to work on uh, more important or on larger clients, uh, more, spe more specialized matters, um, you know, uh, larger clients, um, more uh, specialized matters, um, and, and all that sort of thing, and similar stuff. Um, but you can't, um, and so that's what you do. Um, now, this person could be, firm could be melting down, which is possible, and branch offices are by their nature volatile. The reason branch offices are volatile is because what happens in them is people, a lot of the decisions are made by, by the main office and, and branch offices are often started with people from local firms 
that were unhappy there. So they bring all that unhappiness and all the dysfunction uh, to the DNA um, or the recent DNA, if it's a newer firm, but to the DNA of the branch office. So the partners are scared, the, the decisions can be made, they don't have control over them because they made in other offices. They, so there's a lot of problems with branch offices. Now they can be good too, because the opposite can happen. They can make more partners in there to make people in the branch office feel like they're they're important. They can make them without less requirements. They there may be less competition. So there's all good sorts of good reasons to work in branch offices, but but in general, they can be very scary. And and you do need to work out with them. Work out. I remember this Bill Urquhart, who was one of the founders of Quinn Emanuel Urquhart Sullivan, was the second name partner, asked me where I was interviewing at when I was working there and or not working there, but applying for a job there. And I told him like three or four firms, like big firms in LA. And um, he just said, be careful of branch offices. And that's all he said. Didn't say anything negative about it, but be careful. So you should, should be careful of branch offices. And, and, and all these things sound like maybe a good reason to look at something else. These are great questions, by the way. Thank you, everyone who's asking them. I recently had a run-in with a partner in my firm. He offered some input on potential compliance issue I thought had been missed. Oh, I offered some input on a potential compliance issue that I thought had been missed and presented in a nice way. The partner got furious and was screaming at me in front of the office. Should I leave? What was my mistake here? How should I handle a possible weakness that I find as a new attorney and work by partners or others just for the purpose of being helpful, showing my diligence, or this is a political mistake and should I just leave? So there's a couple different things I'm going on here. The first one is cover your ass, which you're welcome to do, but, but welcome to do. But the other one that's even more important I think, is in addition to covering your ass, you have to understand that the partners that are giving, that are asking you to do certain things are really asking you to find ways to make things work, to make things work. So if you can make things work and make the client happy. And so what does that mean? The, that means that you may present some issues like that could be looked at, but if the partner needs a certain result, from that, they're going to, meaning it will result in more work. It will, it may, that maybe they don't want to point out a certain issue because if they do, that, that may piss off the client or it may result in less work or, and, and it's not pleasant for the partner to learn that they may have missed an issue. Um, so you basically, the way to frame issues is basically to come out and just say, hey, these are some issues that, that this is how we're going to make this work. And and, and these are just some, some issues and that you could maybe put in a footnote or something, and, but don't make it seem like you're trying to tell someone they, they can't do so. Your job is really as an attorney. So this is another thing, um, which a lot of people don't understand. Your job as an attorney is to find a way to make things work. That's it. You need to do this. And, and that's what you're hired to do. If you want to be a buzzkill and you want to not make things work, you don't want to find solutions for the clients, and you just want to be a negative person about things, then, then other people aren't going to use you to do more work. The clients aren't going to benefit from it. Because what lawyers are doing is they're making all these judgments about, can I risk this? Can, can I risk it for the clients? My client's going to want a good result. If I don't give them a good result, um, they're not going to use me in the future. So these are all things that are going across and, and, and happening. So yes, you, you can show diligence, but you need to present a work product that, and this, by the way, this is one of these career changing questions. So I'm really glad you asked that because if you do this well, 
your whole career and um, life could change. So you definitely need to do it well. And, and a lawyer has to find ways to think, make things work. So just think about what happens with in court. Someone's accused of murder. The lawyer can't just throw up their hands and say, oh, it's pretty obvious this person did that. No, the, a good criminal defense lawyer and why the best ones charge millions of dollars for cases is they go and figure out how to make things work their defense. So this is like that in all practice areas. It's like that in corporate. It's like that in real estate. You have to find ways to make things work. And so you can't, your job is not to not make things work or to say why it's not going to work. Your job is to make things work. So this lesson, by the way, Lots of attorneys never live or learn. They don't advance because of it. Clients don't hire them because of it. All these things, like you need to be seen as an advocate for clients and also the people you're working for. And if you're not, then you're in trouble. And so I think that's just something that's important for you to understand. If you're not, you're in trouble. Again, this is just a freaking awesome question. Stay around for the webinar. I mean, this is all these questions you're that alone is worth the time, incredibly important. No. So you never want to say, um, oh, should I mention my hours? Yes. You should. If your hours are good, you should mention them. Yes. You can also um, give the impression without lying. So yes, if your hours are good, you definitely need to mention them. Why? Because regardless of the economy, um, the best lawyers in law firms that give partners and their clients the best results on capitalizing this by doing, by making things work, stay around. So what, and this again, just hugely important question and, and answer. I really am glad people are answering this because this is really a good question. This is what happens. So in every top law firm, there, is a, there are attorneys that are working 3,000 hours a year and people can't stop giving them work and they want to stick around. And then there's attorneys in the same firm that might be billing a few hours per week because no one's giving them work. The attorneys that are being a few hours a week are just not very pleasant to get the work back from. They, it's okay to say, hey, this is the problem, but this is the solution I have and just completely will work. And if we do this and this, that's awesome. That's what they want. That's thorough, but you're taking a stand to help the client. You can't just turn in all this negative freaking work. No one likes that. I was, this is funny. I hired this law firm to represent me in some stupid matter. It was pretty stupid. It was a litigation thing in Texas. And these attorneys were like, you know, the entire firm, which was like 10 people, were all like order the coif and, and just University of Texas. And I mean, really good attorneys. And, but they... I was like, why are these attorneys like all oh, working together in this little tiny firm and they don't have big clients? I was applying about a stupid little litigation case. And the reason that I discovered was all these guys would do is just point out the negatives. They couldn't take up, they were just critics and they just couldn't take a stand about any issues. And then I, I saw them argue something in court and it was the same thing, like they were non-persuasive. And then the opposing side in the case I was in was all over. He's up, jumping up and down, doing everything he could, and he won. You need to be able to take a stand. And the so the question is: the, Should you mention your hours? Yes, you should always mention your hours because hours mean people are giving you work, work, and you are doing good work and getting repeat business. So an associate in a firm is essentially a independent business person that's paid a salary, but an independent business person that is providing work to other independent business people that are also associated with the same group, which are the partners. 
partners are paid based on the amount of business they have. And essentially the, the billings that they get are the money that comes in. There, a certain percentage is taken out for the, the overhead of the firm and then to pay more important lawyers or other lawyers, depending on what's going on in the economy and also their importance. One practice area is busy. They're paid uh, a percentage of the, what they make for their business. Yes, if you are doing good work and getting repeat business, then you definitely want to say that because, or even imply it if you're not, meaning say I worked this many hours in this big case or something, then, which is, a, you don't have to talk about the specific hours, which means you're getting repeat business. You definitely want to often do that as well. So yeah, you want to mention that. Okay. So this is this question. So I've heard you mention that generally you work with a low percentage of people who reach out and get placements. What is the factor that BCG and or you self-consider determine whether or not person is Okay, it's a great question. And this, just so you understand the, the reasons for my answer, over half of, oh wait, close to half of the attorneys in the United States have given, applied on our website for representation or information about jobs and so forth in the past you know, decade plus, I don't know, but that's a lot, right? Because, and and so because of that, I've realized that not every attorney is, uh, um, this is what other recruiters do, 98% of them, that not every one of those attorneys is at a big firm or could get a job in a big firm. And, and, and not only that, but the, the, if I want to run a business with hundreds of employees, it would be nothing short of insane to only try to work with the biggest firms because um, they only have jobs for the best attorneys at the best firms or people that are in very hot practice areas at one point in time. And every other recruiter in the world is sending them more candidates than they could possibly make do with. And because the second an opening comes out of a big firm in like New York, every attorney that matches that is cold called and emailed about that job. So why would I rely on my hundreds of employees support their livelihood based on only representing people from the top firms and top schools. And may, I would if um, I didn't care about getting people jobs. I would if my ego was involved. A lot of recruiters come to this company in, in the past and they'll only work with the best candidates for the best jobs. And because their ego is about, I place this. And then what they then, then they go into, oh, I only place partners. Do you know the secrets to getting your dream legal job? We do. And one of the best things you can do is apply to jobs that fly under the radar. Applying to openings with very little competition means you stand a much higher chance of getting hired. But how do you find openings like that? For starters, you're not going to find them on major job boards because these jobs are usually only advertised on companies' websites and in small regional publications. That is why we created Law Crossing, the most comprehensive database of legal jobs in the world. We have a team of people constantly working to find every single legal job out there. Unlike other job boards, which only list jobs that companies pay to post, we include every legal job we can find in order to maximize your chances of finding a job. So what are you waiting for? Head over to www.lawcrossing.com to find your dream legal job today. I place people every day of the week. Like I make more placements in a week probably than 99% of recruiters. So what do I do? 
So the only thing I do that's different, and I do it all myself, by the way, I have data scientists working here. I've got hundreds of people helping me, but what do I do uh, to do that and work with people? Here's the problem. It's getting better because I'm talking about this so much in the market, but a low percentage of people have a rest, have a resume that is consistent or framed to be, or has a significant period of time of time when the person is in a single person is in, is doing work in a single practice area. So what does that mean? That means that, you know, that you need to have some consistency of um, doing work in a practice area, but I don't care what it is. It could be, it could be, I don't know, that's personal injury. It could be, it could be, it could be education plaintiff's work, basically suing, suing school. It could be, it could be patent prosecution for, for patent prosecution for, I don't know, for, for hard sciences generally, but, or, which is just things that aren't alive. Or um, in large markets, people that only do, only prosecute you know, drug patents and discoveries, discoveries or large companies, some for companies making a specific type of medicine. This is it. So anyway, so the more, the more specialized you are, and sometimes this particular thing might give you, this might give you 300 firms to apply to in a city through Harrison, by the way, not through another recruiter three to five, I don't know, but very long, maybe three to 20. And I don't know, but it depends on the, it could be zero to 20. But so this is the way it works. So this is all I look for. I just want someone to be specialized. I don't care. I don't care where you went to law school. I don't care about your seniority level. I don't care about anything except that. I don't like people from in-house because most of the time they're not specialized and they've shown that they don't want to work in a law firm. So they're probably going to do it again. So I'm not a big fan of them. I'm also not a big, but I still represent them. Same thing with people often in accounting firms, because many times they didn't get a job in accounting firm. People that aren't very specialized in large markets, which because large markets are where clients go for specialization. I don't, I'm not a big fan of them either. I'm not a big fan of people in coming out of government, but I am if they're will try if they're criminal and stuff, or they're federal law clerks or even state Supreme Court and other state These are all I'm looking for. I just need some sort of specialization because in order to be marketable, you need to have specialization. So if you start working or trying to have all these things on your resume, saying you do all these different things, my experience with representing probably over 100,000 people, attorneys or over years and decades, has been that the only people that consistently get jobs look specialized. That's it. And specialized, you're not going to get a job if you're trying to apply to a switch practice areas. You're not, you might could get lucky, but probably not. You're not going to get a job if you're, if you're, look, you've got a bunch of different practice areas moving between different practice areas on your resume. You're probably not going to get a job through BCG if you haven't worked as an employee in a law firm and you just have these temporary jobs and stuff. You might get a job as a data discoverer, but that's, and actually you can get a job at Trademark and a few others. But, but the point is, is that this is how it works. The only thing that works if you want to get a job consistently is being specialized. So take a look at that. So an example would be employment law, right? So you have, and this is something that people don't understand, you have, and that's a pretty rare practice here. So you have, you have attorneys, have attorneys coming from 
coming from large firms. You have, I'm sorry, you have attorneys coming from labor back labor backgrounds, which is different than general employment labor backgrounds. You have you have attorneys that specialize in class action defense at a lot of big firms, defense of big firms, um, not always. Then you have then you have attorneys that specialize in that specialize in just giving advice to companies companies about labor and employment issues. And again, this little piece I'm sharing with you right now could change your life in employment, not employment, not labor issues, because labor is separate than employment. Again, ninety percent of ninety nine percent of attorneys don't even understand this, unless you're employment attorneys, recruiters. Wow, not laborers. Then you have attorneys who specialize in class action defense or class action plaintiffs work. Then you have attorneys that specialize in class action uh, or specialize in individual types of types of lawsuits. Then on and on. And then even in California, you'll have a specialized people in things like PAGA. And this is just plaintiffs. You'll have, just, I'm just giving you some of the crazy things. You'll have people that do, people that do, what's an example? Lemon law, defense, and plaintiff. And that's it. That's all they do. And if I get a lemon law attorney, hell yeah. Like they, they, they will, these firms that do plaintiff's work in lemon law, some of them pay 300000 a year, and they're desperate for people. Wow. Why? But no, most recruiters take a look at this and be like, oh, my God, this person went to this crappy law school. They're, they're doing lemon law. Isn't that funny? And person wouldn't get the time of day. They'd hang up. So the point is, if you're in one of these, if you specialize, there are hardly any attorneys that do labor. There are hardly any attorneys that do class action defense. There are hardly any attorneys that specialize in, there's more that specialize in giving advice. Uh, there's a lot of those, and, um, but there's not a lot. There's a lot that do plaintiff's work, but not a lot. There's um, a lot that um, specialize in individual type of lawsuits. And so that's all I do. There's no secret to why um, I make a lot of placements since, um, and make them every single freaking day. But it's just because I understand this. And you should too, because if you want to get a job and you want to have a good career, you can just coast through even without business many times. If you are specialized and you'll advance, what, why do you specialize? Let's talk about that. Like why? Not only are you more hireable, but, but clients seek out specialists. If you had a fucking, excuse me, if you had a freaking brain aneurysm, something growing on your brain, you wouldn't go see a general practitioner, would you? No, of course not. You would find a specialist. Clients are just like you. So why wouldn't they want a specialist? Do you think they want to go with someone that is listing five different type of specialties they do that are related or interrelated? No, the best clients that know what they're doing want the best people. So you would too. Come on, let's just be honest here. That's all the time we have for this edition of the show. If you are an attorney looking for a change, head on to bcgsearch.com.